focus is the title of this morning's message. And as we begin to focus on things in our life, the things of God, it's going to begin to change our outlook. I titled this message Focus because most of our families, we focus on the things that are the wrong things rather than the right things. And so our families become out of focus. As I start this message today, the first thing I got to tell you today is this, that no area of your life is untouched by your thought life. No area of your life is untouched by your thought life. Your physical life is affected by your thought life. Your thought life is affected by your thought life. The area of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions is affected by your thought life. And your spiritual life is affected by your thought life. There is no area of your life that is untouched by your thought life. Many of our thoughts are like that beach ball that's getting bounced around. The thing is, the Bible says this, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the path that leads to life. Many of our thoughts are a lot like that beach ball bouncing around from one side of the building to the other, backwards and forwards. Sometimes it lands, but the problem is, if broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life, most of the time your thought life is landing in a negative circumstance or a negative thought pattern. And if no area of our life is untouched by our thought life, and our thoughts are always landing on broad as the way that leads to destruction, most of the thoughts that we have end up being destructive thoughts rather than constructive thoughts or thoughts that build up and edify and glorify God, you, and your family. Amen? So this morning, as we begin to embark on this message, the final message of this series, we must begin to focus our thought life And it'll change the outcome of our family. Now, there are about 50 more messages I could preach on the family. I could preach on interracial families. I could preach on blended families. I could preach on divorced families. I could preach on happily married families. I could preach on families that have kids that are hellions but parents that were great. I could preach on families that have grandkids that are wonderful but their grandparents were awful. I could preach on families that that have strained strained relationships, estranged relationships, and family relationships that are just flat out strange. Can I get an amen on that? Come on now. Some of you are like, he's talking about my family. (laughs) And I ain't playing. Everybody's family's strange in some way. I mean, my family's strange in some way. Me and my wife are weird sometimes, and we just are. So everybody's got their strangeness about them. And so in the process of every area of your thought life affects some area of your life, we must begin to focus our thought life like never before if we're going to see families become successful. And it doesn't matter what your family circumstance is. I'll tell you right now, Jesus had stepbrothers. Come on. Some of y'all are like, what? Some of y'all are freaking out. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. God was his father. But Jesus had James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon as his brothers that were sons of Joseph. Jesus had stepbrothers. Hello. He had to deal with steps. He had to deal with those things. He had to deal with with relationships that weren't normal for the day. He had to deal with all these things. And so if we don't begin to focus our thought life on what God has called us to focus on, all these outward circumstances that I just mentioned, whether it's interracial or blended or steps or, or weird or strange or just whatever it may be, if we don't begin to focus on the right things, we're going to end up being an example of a wrong family and how wrong families operate. Let me give you a couple statistics right quick. 90% of the thoughts you have today are repeats from yesterday and the day before. This is the main reason why people do not change. 90% of the thoughts you have today are repeats from thoughts you had yesterday. 
okay? You wake up this morning, and the first thing you think of is, I wonder what today holds, because yesterday was good or bad or whatever, <laughs> okay? 90% of your thoughts today are repeats from yesterday. And until you start focusing your thought life, until you start putting your thought life in perspective, until you quit letting it be the beach ball that's bounced around all over the stage, all over the sanctuary, until you put it on a path, your thoughts are just going to be repeats. And you're going to repeat them over and over and over. This is why most of the people, after they hit the age of 25, never change again in their life. They're set in their ways. Because 90% of your thoughts from today are repeats of yesterday and the day before. And if you're just repeating your junk over and over and over, how are you supposed to change to what God's called you to be? The Bible says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a person thinks about themselves in their heart and talks about yourself in their heart, that's who you become. If you always wake up every morning and think, I'm just such a loser, but I'm going to put this fake smile on my face, you know what you're going to end up doing in life? Losing. It just becomes who you are. And you can't hide that forever. So you must change those things. Listen to this other statistic. 80% of the qualities in your spouse are not bad qualities, but we choose to focus on the negative 20% and they consume us. 80% of the qualities in your spouse are not bad qualities. We choose to focus on the negative 20% and they consume our lives. I never, I'll never forget this story. There was a lady, elderly woman. She was a widow. And a man came and asked her one time, said, who, who are the, your favorite people? And she said, well, buddy, there's only two perfect men in the world. One was Jesus and one was my husband who's passed away. Now, the funny thing about that story was if you knew that couple as they were in marriage, they were always fighting and always arguing. But you never really appreciated what you had until it's gone. She never thought her husband was perfect while he was living, but now that he's gone, he was perfect. See, many of us need to develop the heart of a widow and realize what we have when we have it and not regret missing it when it's gone. 80% of the qualities in your spouse are not bad qualities. If they were more than that, you, you, you wouldn't have married them because <laughs> you're incompatible. But we choose to focus on the 20% that are bad and they consume our lives and they ruin marriages because our thought life is off base. It's off pattern. It, it's not working right. And so this morning, as we begin this message, I want to talk to you about the very first thing today. and It's called Secret Conversations. Secret Conversations. The secret conversations you hold in the privacy of your mind are shaping your destiny right now. The secret conversations you hold in the privacy of your mind are shaping your destiny right now. The Bible says this in Philippians 4, 8, Therefore, whatever is lovely, noble, pure, and praiseworthy, think on these things. It's the private conversations, Mitch, you have in the privacy of your mind that are shaping your destiny. It's the private conversations, David, that you hold when you're driving down the road by yourself about your boss who made you mad that's shaping your destiny. It's the private conversations, Jerry, that you hold in your head as you're driving down the road about how your wife made you mad that is shaping your destiny. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to agree with that. You're supposed to say, I love her. She's perfect in Jesus' name. Did you miss the 80% stat I just threw out? And so here we go. Cody, it's the private conversations you have in the office when you're there by yourself that are shaping your destiny. It's the private conversations that I have in my thought life that are shaping my destiny. Because those private conversations usually end up being negative conversations. 
And most of the time they start out of a bad circumstance. Your boss makes you mad. And so you go back to your office and you think in your head, well, I should have done this. And he don't deserve to talk to me like that. Does he know how hard I work for him or her? <laughs> Whatever. You know the conversations I'm talking about. And if you're the boss, you have these private conversations too. Why did I ever hire this person? Unbelievable. Do they not understand how much I give to this company? And I write their paycheck? <laughs> oh, you're shaping destinies. The private conversations you have in the innermost parts of your mind shape your destiny. And the private conversations you have about your family shape your destiny. This is why the Bible said, do not let the sun go down on your head while it's angry. Lest the devil get a foothold in your life. See, a lot of couples go to bed mad at each other every night because they're focusing on the 20%. But they never talk about the 20% because they don't want to fight about it. Because you never talk about it, you fight about it anyway in your mind at bed when you go to bed at night. And so you're fighting with your spouse all night long. And you know, many times the last thing you think about before you go to bed is the first thing you think about when you wake up. And so the 90% rule is in effect. I was mad at my spouse when I went to bed, so you know when you wake up, your mind didn't shut down. <laughs> your mind kept playing that through your head over and over and over. And you may have slept all night, but it wasn't a restful sleep. It was a restless sleep. And so the secret conversations you have in your mind are shaping your destiny. Listen, the Bible talks about the nation of Israel when they were in the, in the wilderness. And the Bible says this, God was angry with them because they grumbled in their tents. Oh, if, if you understood how bad grumbling was and how much of a sin grumbling against God was, you would change your thought life real quick. But some of you guys are thinking, well, it's not an addiction, it's not a drug, it's not adultery, it's not this or it's not that. Can I tell you, grumbling in your tent at night before you go to bed with the secret conversations in your mind is just as bad of a sin as anything else. Because in fact, you're shaping your destiny by that thought process that you're letting develop in your mind. And if your families are ever going to change, you must begin to change your thought life. How do you begin to change your thought life? You must begin to get new input so you can have a different output. You must get a new input so you can have a different output. Your brain is nothing more than a, than a, than a high-end computer. And if, you're, and if you're a smart person, you got a Mac, not a PC. I'm just playing. <laughs> I can say that because my wife is home and sick with my two boys. They all three got fever, so I was glad to leave the snot house this morning, man. I mean, they got, they got it going everywhere. I was glad to walk out this morning. <laughs> and if your brain is nothing more than a high-end computer, the only thing a computer puts out is what's been put into it. And so if you're thinking, this crazy computer doesn't work, <laughs> really, what doesn't work? Is it the computer or the operator? <laughs> but many times we want to blame the computer that's an inanimate object that only puts out what you put in. And if it only puts out what you put in, then the output of it is only as intelligent as the person who's inputting into it. That's why I download apps I don't try to create my own. <laughs> That's why when a new iOS package comes out, I download it. I didn't create it. I want to put good input in, not Joel's input in. I just want to use the input that somebody else smarter than me was able to put into it so I can have access to it. Now, in your life, it's the same thing. Why do you keep putting input in that has failed for the three people before you? You're struggling in your marriage, so you go to somebody who's been divorced five times to get advice. 
Well, they messed up five times. Surely they'll get it right on the sixth, but more than likely not. So now that you're getting bad input in, you're getting bad output out. And listen, some of the input you put in doesn't even have to be from an outside source. See, the difference between you and all the angels of heaven is God anointed you with the ability of creativity that they don't have. So you have the creative power within your mind to create something. If you don't believe me, how do you think we have inventions? You invented something. So when you are grumbling in your tent at night and have secret conversations in the depth of your mind, you are putting a creative power of input into your brain that's going to output sometime because you can't fill up something and not throw it up. You can't eat a bunch of junk and not feel sick. Your body's got to discharge it somehow. And so I'm telling you this morning, what is your input going into your head? And the next time you're struggling with your spouse, don't have water cooler talk. Because when the Bible talks about those who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, gossip is right up there with it. Some of y'all are like, oh, really? Go read. Get some input. So this morning, what have been, been the conversations in your mind that you've got to get rid of so God can transform your life? You know, if we don't begin to put in input that's greater than the knowledge that we have will never change. This is why I constantly stay plugged into the Word of God because the Bible says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The Word of God is the Word of Jesus Christ made flesh. The Word of God is God's Word. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will stand forever. And if all those things are true about the Word of God, why would I not let that be my source of input so I get a different output? And there's the, the Facebook post I posted earlier this week we are so quick to believe tabloids, news media, social media, and everything else, but question the Word of God. Really, the Word of God's been around longer than the National Enquirer has. The Word of God's been around a little bit longer than social media's been around. The Word of God has really been around since God was formed, because God is His Word, and they are inseparable. And if heaven and earth are going to pass away before God's word will, maybe I should start putting out input in there that will give me output that will be long-lasting rather than the secret conversations I'm having in the depths of my own mind. So this morning in Philippians 4.8 it says, Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything of excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Philippians 4.8 is telling you to do this. It's telling you to focus your thought life. Focus what you think on. If your thinking is stinking, change what you're thinking about. Because if all you're thinking about is junk, all you're going to get out is junk. But when you start thinking about whatever is pure, lovely, noble, praiseworthy, things that are excellent, think on these things, then you're going to get that out. Many people struggle in their marriages because they continually think on what's bad about their spouse, what he or she didn't do and what he or she continues to not do. What he or she has gotten a rut or he or she has gotten a habit of doing continually and it just gets on your nerves and it grates on you. And you know that's about 10% of your marriage. And so this morning, what are you focusing on? You should be able to pull out a pen and paper right now and write down 10 things that are excellent or praiseworthy about your spouse. Many people this morning could write 10 things that are negative, not 10 things that are praiseworthy. You should be able to do it in a heartbeat. And if you can't, you've been focusing on the wrong thinking. 
Secret conversations will kill you. Dwelling, dwelling on your problems does not, make, does not fix them. It simply makes you an expert on them. Dwelling on your problems does not fix them. It makes you an expert on them. Many of you have a doctorate degree in your problems because all you do is research your problems. <laughs> well, I, I, got, I got this ailment in my, in my body. I don't feel good. I got something and it hurts right here in my stomach. So I'm going to look up WebMD and I'm going to look up everything I know on every medical terminology that there is. And before you're done, you've done self-diagnosed yourself with eight different things. And it's probably because you ate a bad breakfast burrito from Taco Bell. And if you eat Taco Bell, you need to start researching. <laughs> I love Taco Bell. Bless all you people. But just my tangent, when Taco Bell starts serving breakfast, something wrong. A waffle taco? Are you kidding me? I'm j that's just my tangent for today. You know what I've been dwelling on, okay? <laughs> dwelling on your problems doesn't fix them. It makes you an expert on them. Many people can tell you exactly how their marriage got to the point that it is and why it's on the verge of destruction because that's all you've been dwelling on. And as you dwell on them, many of you can tell why your kids are not doing great because all you've done is dwell on the problems that your kids have been dealing with. Don't dwell on the problems. Start asking God for solutions. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 33:3, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know about. Call unto God. And God promises he's going to answer you. He's going to show you great and unsearchable things that what? Guess what? You don't know. And that Google doesn't know. And that WebMD doesn't know. And watch when God starts talking to you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Watch how when you begin to apply the new input you got, you'll get a different output than you've been getting. I am a firm believer in my house of the, the verse, spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, I mean, that's just, I believe it. It's the part of the word of God. I do believe in discipline. But I also believe in learning patterns that our kids have. And some kids, they do need a swat on the hiney <laughs> a lot. <laughs> some more than others. <laughs> and some of them need a swat on the hiney. And then for you to sit down and explain to them. And talk with them. And tell them how much you love them even in the midst of the issue that they just did. One of the most brilliant pieces of, of fathering or parenting that I've ever heard was this. When a child would get in trouble, the parent would not send them to their room. They would say, you've got to stay within a five-foot radius of me. Wherever I go, you go. Whatever I do, you do. Whatever I begin to work on, you've got to work on it with me because you can't leave this five-foot radius that I'm in. Some of you are like, oh, Lord, that's punishing me, not the kid. <laughs> Maybe some of you need punishing too. Because <laughs> a lot of us raise our kids according to how we were raised. Not according to the input of the Bible. And I bring up that analogy for this reason. Follow me within a five-foot radius wherever I go. Because you know what? You as a father on this earth are setting an example and making a mindset in your children's life of how the Heavenly Father acts. And if you as a parent, when your kid gets in trouble, says, get away from me. I'm sick and tired of you. Go. The very image they have of God the Father when they sin is God saying, get away from me. I'm sick and tired of you. Get out of my presence. That's not what God says. 
God says when you sin, I am merciful. And when you sin, there's a grace that covers it because where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. And as a parent, there are consequences when our kids mess up. But when they mess up, it shouldn't be a banishment from our presence. It should be come into my presence until you learn how to be responsible like I am. And then I'll turn you loose again. Now change your parenting. What I do with my sons when they're in trouble. They get the SWAT. One of them more than others. <laughs> and when I have their attention, I sit down on the couch with them. And I put my arm around them. And I tell them how much I love them. And I tell them, you're not leaving my side. You're staying right here with me. And they'll about two minutes later want to get up and go play. And I said, no, no, no. You're staying in my presence. You're staying right here with me. But dad, I want to go play. But do you remember the last time I let you go play, what happened? I hit my brother. Yes, yeah, so now you're staying in my presence until you learn how to act in this manner. It works. It's a parenting process that how are you putting input into your kids because whatever input you put in, they're going to start putting out. And parents, I guarantee you this, if all your kids ever do is see you fight, you want to know how they're going to handle problems at work, at home, at school? They're going to fight. Parents, if all they ever see you do is get run over, beat up, and busted up by the world, you know how they're going to handle the world? Oh, I guess this is just our lot in life, to be beat up, broken down, and get run over by the world. Call unto God. The Bible says he will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. See, the world has intellect, but the Bible has something called wisdom and knowledge from on high. In today's world, we need wisdom how to raise our kids, not intellect. <laughs> We need wisdom and knowledge how to raise our kids from on high, not the intellect of the world and what the world does and what the world thinks it needs to know. Finally, I want to talk to you about this. We've talked about the secret conversations. We talked about dwelling on your problems doesn't fix them. It makes you an expert on them. Let's talk about focus. If you focus on faults, guess what you're going to find? Faults. If you listen to me talk long enough, you're going to pick out everything bad that I do. You're going to pick out my double negatives. You're going to pick out my ain'ts. You're going to pick out when I stumble and fall. You're going to pick out when I, I don't do so great at times. But you're not looking for my faults when I preach. You're looking to hear the voice of God when I preach. That's why when I can drop a bomb of a message and it'd be absolutely horrible, y'all will leave and say, wow, that was so good. And I'm like, who are you listening to? And God says, they were listening to me, not you. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. If you focus on faults, you know what you're going to find? Faults. So what do we need to begin to do? If you focus on faults in your family, you're going to find faults in your family. But listen to Psalm 119, verse 15. It says, I will meditate. Meditate means to say over and over and over in your mind, again and again and again. It says, I will meditate on your precepts, O God, and I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will fix my eyes on your ways. If we focus on faults, we're going to find faults, but the Bible tells us what to fix our eyes on. It tells us to fix our eyes on his ways and, our, and meditate on his precepts. You know this is the difference between a focused man and an unfocused man. A focused man has purpose. A focused man has intention. A focused man can accomplish things. A focused person can uh, achieve things at the end of the day. An unfocused person bounces around like a beach ball in a sanctuary, and hopefully it lands on a person and does it land on a path of destruction? What have you been focusing on 
in your life. Many of you getting deeply personal into your private life, can I do that for a minute? Many of you do not accomplish what God calls you to accomplish because you're too busy thinking about how big of a failure you are and about how you're not good enough and how you don't have the talents, the abilities, and the qualifications instead of focusing on your potential. Instead of focusing on who God said you are. If you're going to change your family's life, you're not going to change by changing your kids. You're going to change by changing you. And I'm tired of adults in this sanctuary. I'm not speaking for other churches and around the world. I'll speak right here. I'm tired of adults in this sanctuary coming up with excuses why they can't do something in the kingdom because something in their past is holding them back. You're done with your past. It was yesterday. Because 90% of the thoughts you think of today are repeats from yesterday. So what you did yesterday is now thinking of today and it's holding you back from what God's called you to do tomorrow. Do you see how it's going full circle? So in your life today, parents, adults in this room, what is the best quality that you have? I'm fixing to give you 10 seconds. And when I say 10, yell out the best quality of your life. Some of y'all are like, is everybody else going to yell or is it just going to be me? I promise, everybody's going to yell something, okay? And, those that, and, and if you don't think of something, just go, yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody's going to know what it said. When I count to 10, I want you to yell the best quality of your life out, okay? Some of y'all are getting nervous because you're like, that's kind of bragging on myself. It's not bragging on yourself. It's telling the truth about yourself. It's what God placed in you. Some of y'all are sitting here thinking, if I yell it out, are people going to look at me and say, he ain't got that talent. <laughs> Notice I'm not going to say singing, okay? And so now that I've given you 30 seconds, when I said I'd give you 10 seconds, some of y'all are still nervous. Are you ready? Say yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yell it out passion see nobody even heard what you said but now that you spoke it out there and you let it get out there you're finally feeling confident about yourself who i actually can be passionate my best quality is not speaking my best quality is not intelligence my best quality is not strategy planning my best quality is passion that's all i got is passion but within with passion that i have i call to god who will show me great and unsearchable things that i do not know and he'll give me vision that goes with the passion and then he'll give me a plan that goes with the vision, that goes with the passion, that'll bring a strategic plan for the church, that'll make us the lampstand in this community, in this northeast Texas region. Do you see how when you embrace who you really are and the gifting that's on the inside of you, God will qualify everything else. So what else about your life is good? You need to just make a list of about 20 things that's good about you. And you just need to, every time you think of something bad and the devil pops his head and says, you ain't that, say shut up. Shut up. If you'll tell him to shut up, he's got to listen. you got authority in Christ Jesus. Some of y'all just entertain his thoughts. He's got to listen. So why do we entertain thoughts of the devil all day and dwell on them and focus on them and have secret conversations in our mind about them when God says, think on the things that are lovely, pure, noble, praiseworthy, and excellent. Think on these things because there's plenty of them out there. Some of you guys, are, you're still beating yourself up. And I've got a simple challenge for you. Many of you are still sitting here thinking about the sin problems you have and you've been dwelling on them. But remember, the thoughts you have will sculpt your destiny and everything about you. So instead of thinking of your sin this morning, here's what I want you to begin to focus on. Every time you think of your sin, I want you to focus on the cross. I want you to focus on Christ Jesus hanging on the cross. I want you to focus on every time he was whipped, every thorn that was placed in his head on that crown, every swing of that hammer that was hit on every nail for you. I want you to start thinking of every drop of blood that dripped off his hands and his feet and dripped on the ground. I want you to think about when he was spat upon. I want you to think about everything Christ Jesus went through for you and get out of your pity party of your sin that you think is still hanging on to you.
Because when you begin to focus on Christ and what he did for you, and that you're forgiven and whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and your life is a shining trophy for God to use, and when you begin to focus on the grace of God, because we're sin abound, grace abounds that much more, and he gave it to us and paid the price on the cross of Calvary, then you don't just stop there. You begin to get a little bit excited because Jesus Christ didn't stay dead on a cross. Three days later, he was raised again from the dead in newness of life so that I can have a new life in Christ Jesus and not just exist but have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. You'll start getting a little bit excited about who you are in Christ Jesus. And sin ain't got no power on you. 